welcome to the We Talk Health podcast, the official podcast for West Tennessee Healthcare. Please be advised that this podcast is not intended to replace any medical advice. Always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing said in this podcast is intended to supersede or supplement the direction of your medical caretakers. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at wetalkhealthpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer any questions you may have. Welcome to another episode of We Talk Health. We are with our GYN specialist with the West Tennessee Medical Group, Dr. Don Wilson, Amy White, the nurse practitioner, and Dr. Jeff Ball. And in this episode of We Talk Health, we are going to discuss hormone replacement therapy. And so I know there are several different avenues that we'll take with this uh, this broad topic, but today we're specifically talking to women of a certain age demographic. This is not necessarily for your youngest patients, but what age demographic are we talking about for hormone replacement therapy? Well, I think the target age group for starting consideration of menopausal hormonal therapy is in the 50 to 59-year-old age group or women who are less than 10 years from menopause. Those are the ones who typically are the ones who are transitioning from the perimenopausal time frame where the number of eggs left in their ovaries are declining until they finally get exhausted, which is what menopause is, when, when they no longer have any uh, viable eggs in their ovaries to generate the estrogen levels that they were used to in their younger years. And so uh, those are the women who are the safest ones in whom to consider initiation of hormonal therapy for. And it can really be a life-changing for them because these symptoms in some patients can be quite life-altering and, and very difficult for them to deal with. And so uh, those are the, that's kind of the target group in terms of starting it. Now, once you start it and you stay on it safely, the time frame, how long you stay on it, it can vary from patient to patient. So that can be discussed when we, um, when we talk to patients at that time. So, Amy, if I am a woman within that age range, are there certain symptoms that I should be watching for or paying attention to and bring to your attention as a women's health provider? Yes. The most common complaint we have when women come in is hot flashes and or night sweats. Those, that's usually the most common complaint. But there's also vaginal dryness, pain with intercourse, decreased libido or decreased sex drive, not, not wanting to have intercourse with your significant other. Uh, anxiety, depression, problems with sleep. That's another big complaint of women in this age group. Joint pain or stiffness, weight gain. So those are the main ones that we see. But you may not just have one, you may have several. So um, it's something that we want you to feel comfortable coming in and talking to us about. And when we say 50 to 59, that's the most common. But certainly if women have had a hysterectomy and had their ovaries removed, their surgical menopause, so that age is not so much set in stone. If you're 40 and you don't have your ovaries, then that's surgical menopause, and you very well likely have Absolutely. several of these symptoms. So, Okay, Dr. Wilson. So can you talk to us just about the process of the hormone replacement therapy? It begins with a consultation in our office. Jeff alluded to it earlier. You know, the average age of menopause is around 51 in our country, but it uh, can naturally occur between 45 and 55 in, in patients. Now, even though it's a natural process, the symptoms that it brings on some patients, they don't have to live with that, and that's why we're having this discussion today. I think that the process begins with just sitting down and talking to them, where are they as far as their symptoms? And also uh, things that, that we have to look at and consider are the different types of hormone replacement therapy and offer that uh, to our patients as well. 
I think hormone replacement therapy really started in the 1960s, been around that long, and over that time period, things have changed for the better from that. Uh, and then in the 90s, it really took off for ladies taking that and start off with the oral type of uh, hormone replacement therapy, which is probably the most common hormone replacement therapy that, that is prescribed in, in our country. But we do have other options too. We have, uh, there are hormone patches that we have for patients. Some people, I guess we will talk about as well as a compounded hormone therapy that they can get from a compounding pharmacy. But that is also in, in oral form and, and creams, topicals, that type of thing. And then the most recent type of hormone replacement therapy that has been available to patients is hormone pellet replacement therapy and that's that's a pretty large part of our practice as well and and uh we'll get into specific that in a little bit just how we think that really benefits our patient population as well but it really begins in our office with a with a consultation and looking at their risk factors if they've had surgery hysterectomy uh, what are their family cancer risk and and those types of things and then we see where they want to go and try to really help direct them with their choices Great. So we have a lot of options. Now, how about cost for this type of therapy? Is this something that insurance covers or is this considered an out-of-pocket purchase or how does that how does that work? You know, it varies from person to person regarding their insurance coverage and also the type of hormonal therapy that is prescribed. If it's a prescription oral tablet form, then, you know, whatever their particular drug plan will cover and sometimes they cover, uh, their insurance may cover one particular type of oral in preference to a different another type and sometimes we have to adjust based upon that because of the expense. You know, there's always often oftentimes copays and deductibles that kind of come into play with that. So the majority of the ones that were a prescription from an oral to a cream, a transdermal type of patch, whatever, those are going to fall, tend to fall under people's insurance plans for their drug coverage. And so, again, some formularies have certain ones that they cover and certain ones that are, are less likely to cover their, you know, second tier, third tier, all that kind of stuff. When it comes to pellet therapy, most of those are really for the actual medication or out-of-pocket because they're compounded in a drug and then sent in or, and we've ordered them. And so patients tend to have to pay for that. Now, there are clinics all over town, all over West Tennessee, all over the country that are doing hormonal therapy for a whole bunch of various reasons. And the training of some of the providers doing that is different than others, okay? And we, we kind of feel like it's important when you're talking about female reproductive hormonal therapy that the people that are providing that are ones who are trained in gynecology and reproductive endocrinology to have the best expertise at, at really knowing what's appropriate and what's not, the dosaging, all that sort of stuff. A lot of those clinics have quite a large price tag that comes with it for patients out of pocket paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars for each time they go to get uh, hormones or to see their providers. Ours is much more reasonable. We, we charge our patients $30, I believe, a pellet, uh, so that could be for a, a one drug. And then if you get a second pellet with a different drug, it's another $30. You have to pay that out of pocket, but the rest of it is dealt with through your insurance coverage. And so it's much more reasonable from a cost standpoint. So we're not trying to gouge patients here. We simply want to provide a service to them that we think can be beneficial to them. But and Jeff, to that, and I'm glad you brought that up, we don't charge an insertion fee for <laughs> pellet placement, and most other pellet clinics are probably doing that. And so we, we don't charge the patient an actual insertion and and typically the cost uh, is the pellets that, that they pay for the day of placement and usually most patients get two pellets so it's sixty dollars there uh, and to kind of give you an idea about how often we do that typically in our patient population pellets are placed anywhere between 10 and 16 weeks there's some ladies that get them twice a 
a year. But for most patients, they're getting them about every 12 to 14 weeks. And so from that's really where their, their cost is. There's, uh, usually, there's an office charge that comes with that, too. Right. So that it's an office charge plus just the, the, the cost of the medications. So If you want to speak to, to the pellets as well, you know, when we started our office here at West Tennessee GYN Specialists, we thought it was very important to bring Amy on board as far as managing women specifically with hormone pellet replacement therapy, and she does a, a great job with that. So, Amy, you may want to speak a little bit to some of the results your patients have been getting uh, since, of the three of us, you're the newest to pellet placement. Right. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the main thing I've seen is people come back in and for their next set of pellets, and they just feel so much better. You know, they, they're sleeping better. Their mood is better. They're not having as many hot flashes. They're not getting up as much at night, sweating, those kind of things. And their family notices an improvement in in relationships. And it's just overall, they just feel much better. It's 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 life-changing for a lot of these women. And that's that's fun to see, you know, something that we can do to help these women. It's it's as as someone fastly approaching that age, it it um it is encouraging that we have that option to help people feel that much better with something so relatively simple. I agree, quite honestly. Of all the years of prescribing uh, hormone replacement therapy uh, for for my patients, the most positive effect I've seen, Mm -hmm. uh, and and not that it's the only type of hormone replacement therapy, it's not, but you're right. Patients tend to do very well on it, and they voice that to us. It gives them an option to, to be able to not only tolerate or exist in menopause, but to thrive. And I think that's what I see in my patients. It's just when they come in voicing it, you know, and again, pellets aren't for everybody. Right. And that's what I was just thinking. I think it's important to talk about who it's not for. You know, I mean, there are some women that it is a contraindication. You, you, it's not an option and we have to find other avenues to help them with their menopausal symptoms. And those women include women that have had a history of breast cancer, women that have had blood clot or a DVT, you know, or a woman that has had had a stroke. So those are absolute contraindications, and we have to have a discussion at that point to try to help find them other methods, whether that's an antidepressant or there's there's several options. That's for another another day, but we have to have that discussion on the front end. What's your medical history? What's your surgical history? What's your family history? and make a decision together as to either we'll do oral or pellets or... I I think it's important for people to understand that when we talk about hormonal therapy, uh, there's kind of two strains, if you will. There's menopausal symptoms of hot flushes, night sweats, vaginal dryness, those kind of things that are estrogen dependent, if you will. And so the the, the replacement is with an estrogen, a type of estrogen, be that orally, be that transdermally, be that uh, subcutaneously with a pellet. And then there's patients who have symptoms related to testosterone deficiency, such as fatigue, decreased uh, sex drive, things like that. And sometimes those things come together and sometimes those things are treated separately. And so whether a woman still has her uterus or whether a woman doesn't will determine on on the estrogen side whether she needs a progesterone. There are quite a few hormone clinics that give patients progesterone across the board. And if women have had a hysterectomy, there's really not good data about the need to necessarily take progesterone. There's some nuances with that, but there's a lot of folks who may not necessarily need that. The testosterone really has only two choices as a cream or as a pellet. There is no oral form of testosterone that's available. There used to be years ago, but that's no longer on the market. And there are things that have to be monitored with testosterone, liver function, 
function test, and even sometimes your testosterone level to make sure that we, I mean, we're not desiring to, to, to give women male levels of testosterone here, you know, deepening voice, hair growth, things like that. It's acne, that's not what we're about. We're just trying to help their, if, if they are truly deficient in testosterone and they have symptoms of correlating with it, to help them get them back into a more normal range, upper limit or normal range, that really makes a big difference for them as a, as a woman. But the biggest questions that women seem to have and the biggest thing as providers we have to think about are the risk, which people think about breast cancer, they think about heart attack, they think about stroke, uh, sometimes other things, endometrial cancer, uh, on unopposed estrogen, risk of hip fractures, things like this, and, and what do those numbers look like? And that's what's really important why you need a provider that really uh, understands those things, understands the data and the information to be able to talk about those with you. I mean, I've seen patients at times that have been put on hormones by another uh, clinic somewhere, and the lady's in her mid-60s and has had three strokes, and you're just going, man, I'm sorry, you're really not a candidate. You should not have been put on this. Or women who still have their uterus and are given estrogen, but they're not given progesterone, which increases their risk for uterine cancer. And so that's why we think it's really important. Uh, we think we, we provide a service to patients uh, with our training uh, and knowledge base to really talk with them about their uh, the risk and benefits of hormonal therapy. It's not for everybody, but it certainly can help a lot of women through a difficult transition in their life. And we think it's just really important to sit down and have conversations, really go over the information and let women determine for them what might be the best options for them. Amy, let's go back to pellets because you, okay. you and Dr. Ball both know that, that a big part of my practice is hormone pellet replacement therapy and our all practice. But when one of your patients comes in and, and you've determined that she's a good candidate for hormone pellet replacement therapy, what, what does her visit look like? Well, first of all, it starts with an annual exam. If she hadn't had her annual exam, we'll talk, we'll talk about that. And then for me, I, I like to have some labs. To We don't necessarily treat lab levels. We treat symptoms more so. But it's important to know those levels. What's your estradiol level? What's your testosterone level? What's your lipid profile look like if we're talking about given hormones? Liver and kidney function, that sort of thing. So there will be some labs involved in that. Mammogram is important if we're it's important for everybody over 40, like we talked about in a previous podcast, but especially important if you're considering hormone replacement therapy. If she still has a uterus or if she doesn't, that determines our path there if we need progesterone, like Dr. Ball was talking about. So it's just, it's to start out, it's just an office visit with some labs, and then we'll usually call back within a few days when we get those lab results back and talk about what the next course of action is, whether we want to do oral or we want to do creams or we want to do pellets. And if they want to do pellets, we bring them back in quick office visit usually, just the insertion. Matter of minutes. Matter of minutes, it is, and, and it's a comfortable procedure. You know, the woman will come in, we'll just prep a little area on their backside, basically, and so they um, lay on their tummy. They lay on, on their the, tummy, on the, on the exam table, clean it off with a little betadine. Off and, their hip. Mm-hmm, it goes right, in there. Right in where their, you would get a shot. Yeah. Right there, right where yeah. you get a shot. <laughs> yep. Yeah, right where you get a shot. And you do get a shot to numb it, and then we have an instrument that we use to insert those pellets, and we put a bandage over it and we ask you not to get it wet for several hours and um, leave the dressing on for about 48 hours or so they feel better usually within two weeks i have so. people ask me well how big is that pellet you know because mm-hmm. the closest thing out a grain of rice is a good uh, comparison it is not painful to have them placed no it, uh, it does not um, seem to be at all. it's uh, basically you have the numbing medicine from the shot some patients they'll say they see a difference in in uh, three hours right i, I doubt that but uh, <laughs> it's usually a matter of days uh, or, or two weeks the family does get some benefits from this as well 
Uh, we have patients that will come in and they'll tell us, my kids are asking, hey, Mom, is it time for you to go see Dr. Ball, Dr. Wilson, or, or, or Amy and get your pellets placed? You know, and that's coming from a, an all-knowing 17-year-old son. And so we're here to help our patients, but there's also secondary benefits to the family as well. Any other thoughts on hormone replacement therapy? I think it's a complicated issue in today's society and culture, and I think that you need to get good information to assess if you're having symptoms that would benefit from hormonal therapy. If so, which type are you a candidate for? And to really be able to honestly assess the risk and benefits of it. And then if you decide it's right for you, it can be really huge help to you in your life as you transition from premenopause through the menopause and then the postmenopausal. So uh, you don't have to suffer. There, there are often things we can do to really help. Wonderful. Well, thank you all for being with us again on the We Talk Health podcast. Just as a reminder for our listeners, this information is intended to start a conversation with your provider. Each woman is different and has different needs. And if you find yourself needing a women's health provider, we would love for you to call our providers at West Tennessee Medical Group. It's 731-660-3344. Thank you for being with us today on We Talk Health podcast.